couldn't even name top five women's players, so don't tell me you've got hey, I've got the number I'm one. I've got the number one. And it bubbles apologetically over the line. Welcome back, everyone, to our second episode of No Cue for the Ladies. So we've got three guests with us today. Alison Rudd, who we've got first, is a sports writer at The Times. She's also a qualified football coach, a qualified referee. She used to play football, Leighton Orient, and she's an avid Liverpool fan. Uh, we have Pam Tebbutt, who is joining us from France. Um, he's been a fan of Leeds since she was nine. I'm not going to say how many years <laughs> for though, because um, I don't want to, don't want to uh, reveal that information. Her um, and your brother-in-law used to own the fish and chip shop opposite the road to the to the ground. So used to have um, fans and even players coming to visit. And then we have Kate, who is also in France at the moment, and she's our Chelsea fan. And she used to work for Chelsea TV. What do you, what's sort of your reaction to that? Have, have any of you ever had that sort of, oh, well, you're only watching it because you fancy someone on the team? I don't know. Um, is that something that's experienced by, by any of you? Alison. Well, when I started, um, which is 26 years ago, um, there were, I mean, there had been a couple of trailblazers, but they'd already retired so it would often only ever be me I'd be the the only woman in the press box and I think it's about my second or third match and uh one of them one of the established reporters he turned to me and he said um <laughs> with all due respect when someone says that you know they're going to say something rude, don't you? <laughs> yeah. so funny. He said, with all due respect how can you report this being a woman and uh, I, I was slightly taken aback. I wasn't sort of, I didn't go in there all feisty and feminist. I wasn't expecting to have an argument about it at all. So I decided to um, not get cross. So I looked at him and I said, oh, well, um, let me think. I play women's football. I play men's football. Um, and when I'm not playing matches, I'm training. I looked at him, he was about 25 stone, and I said, um, do you play? <laughs> do, do you play? And he went, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and then from that moment on, um, which isn't very helpful for other women, but I did become the exception. So these dinosaur types would say, carry on saying they didn't think women should write about football, but they'd always add that I was the exception. Because, because I mean, it's ridiculous. Is that a backhanded compliment or is that a... It's not a compliment to women at all, but it allowed them, it allowed them to navigate their own sexist path. Because they, <laughs> they had an exception to the rule. Pam. We were sort of protected when I was very young and, and we used to, after stop going with my parents and went, you know, with friends, um, as young girls, we were protected by the older boys and um, they were very, very conscious of the fact that we were female. Um, because in, in the sort of early 70s, supporting football teams were quite rough in some cases. You know, you went and you had um, fights, you had people trying to steal your scarf or your hat, whatever you were wearing, you know. 
Um, and I can remember one instance, um, we went to Manchester United and it, it turned nasty and we were running. I can just remember running through Moss Side and someone stealing my scarf and my best friend's scarf and pushing us to the ground and kicking us. And all of a sudden, the guys that we, you know, were in our group came and picked us up and fought off the, <laughs> the opposition. And, you know, like knights in shining armour because we were there, you know, in their gang sort of thing. So, um, you know, it, it was a, a case of they respected us for being female football fans and, and going to the matches, you know, the, the tough matches as well that, that they were able to go to and, and we were able to go with them. Kate? When I was first going to Chelsea, but I was quite lucky because um, my season ticket had been used before by... Uh, there were actually two seats next to each other and it was two girls um, who never watched the football. They used to sit there the whole match eating sweets and talking to each other and not even watching the match, which I'd never understand people paying 50, 60 quid for a seat and then not watching the match. But um, one of them unfortunately died and I managed to get her season ticket. And so when I arrived, the guys were all expecting me to know nothing and I actually could recognise offside. I didn't shout at the ref in the same language as they did. Um, so they quite accepted me, but then I'd go and spoil it occasionally if, uh, say, Paolo Ferreira took his shirt off and I'd get the vapours and whatever, and <laughs> they'd go, oh, you bring a whole new dimension to the game, Kate, that we hadn't realised. <laughs> but I used to quite play on that because it's funny and just let them say what they say, really. <laughs> so I guess for you, Alison, have you always supported Liverpool or have you sort of been influenced by a family member that supports Liverpool? Well I support Liverpool because I was conceived and born and raised in Liverpool. We moved out when I was quite young which is why I don't have a Scouse accent and mm -hmm. the, other, the other main reason is I always did the opposite to what my granddad did because he would he'd have smoke coming out his ears if you annoyed him and I thought it was very funny so he was um quite right-wing so I became left-wing and he was an Evertonian and so I became a Liverpool fan just to move him across <laughs> with, with, with love it was done with love it was a sort of family joke you know that I would do the, the opposite but he was um he my granddad taught me that football matters so he when I was little I thought he um I thought he was I thought he owned the club or at least was the the, the CEO of it because he treated his season ticket um, holder like it was the most precious thing you know I wasn't allowed to touch it till I was six sort of thing in case I got it grubby I just thought I thought he was very important that he had this special book of tickets to go to the match and it was about the only thing he got really passionate about but for him it was a very serious serious business so I think growing up I just assumed <laughs> I didn't take football lightly. I just seemed to do something very, very important. And I don't think I've ever stopped, actually. I, I wasn't born into a sport family. None of my family watched any sport whatsoever. We weren't a sporting family. I was the first one in the family. And it was just a school thing. We decided at school that we had to support a team. And Chelsea had just beaten Leeds. Not that I want to remind Pam <laughs> about that. In 1971. And they wore blue, and blue was my favourite colour, so I chose Chelsea. Didn't live there, didn't come from there, but I supported Chelsea because they wore blue and have done ever since. <laughs> <laughs>
do you think that the amount of women at a stadium at a match now is so the percentage is so much larger than even 20 25 years ago that it's it there are more female fans at the actual matches now than there was no it feels that way i mean the all seater stadia rule changed the, yes the whole approach to the match going experience yeah um so that, that was the biggest change i think but generally yes there's a real mix um i don't get to sit as a fan very no. much anymore but uh, when I'm not working and I do leave the press seats, uh, it would, it, yeah, it would be unusual if that I couldn't, I couldn't reach out and touch, touch, touch a woman. Whereas when I was growing up, it was uh, really rare, actually, <laughs> very <laughs> rare indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean that's 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 good. And the other thing, of course, the other significant factor I think was Italia '90, yes. which made football. Um, a beautiful and emotional experience mm -hmm. for a lot of women who didn't think it could be that. It was a combination of Ness and Dorma and Gaza's tears and <laughs> the pathos of the whole thing. I think that drew in a lot of women. You. Yeah, Ness and Dorma, yeah. Oh, uh, wasn't the wasn't it the um I'm trying to think of the pop song that was with it. Um the New Order one, wasn't that Italia 90 with John Barnes rapping and everything? I think that was Italia 90. So they hit the pop charts with it as well, which probably brought it to people's attention. Yeah, but I, th I just think, um, I, I can't, you might be right, that might be the right year, but I just think, I just think the whole tournament was packaged in a more empathetic way. It just made, made it just seem more accessible to women, I think, because it used to be, the other thing, the other thing is, of course, that men have been quite protective of football because it's their it's their thing it used to be their thing you know you'd go with your mates and it'd be the only time you would probably express your emotion you know women have their girlfriends and have always had their girlfriends to unload on whereas men need sport and that sort of ritual of going to the pub and then to the game with the guys they were i think they sort of tried to ring fence that and women were you know well why would we try and break that but Italia 90 did make it feel like it was for everybody. Mm. Although now there are much more women going, but, but I think, you know, there's, there's always been a, a good, especially, you know, Northern teams, I think. Don't mm. know about the Southern teams, but Northern teams, a lot of women. Think, why do you think it's more Northern then? That it's it more acceptable in some way? Probably we didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> what's sort of like your all of your most memorable matches or one that you just will always stick in in your mind oh, for me um oh gosh it's difficult probably beating barcelona at the new camp um when torres scored that goal it's torres oh! to Uh, it was just the whole the whole package of the day being in Barcelona. I love Barcelona, and it's weird at Barcelona because the away fans are in like a little pod, which is way up over. It's almost outside the ground. It's so high up, um, and I remember shouting at Frank Lampard because he put his foot out to catch a to sort of collect a ball and missed. And I always felt that Lampard was way too casual, and he he wasted so many balls. I mean, everybody loves Lampard. 
Um, but I've always felt that he was just way too casual and, and he lost the ball too often. And I really screamed at him and I swear he heard me from up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Alison? Do you have a specific match? Oh, I hold the trump card, don't I? Because I was in Istanbul, <laughs> so... Xabi Alonso with the penalty kick. Oh, he's been saved, but he gets the rebound! 3-3! Liverpool, amazingly, have pulled this back! Absolutely amazing, but I, I, cannot, I cannot let go of the fact... It, it should have been the perfect football experience in every way, except I made one mistake. Five Live asked, would I come on after the game to talk about it? And I said, yes. And that meant I could, I just couldn't, it was bothering me that I couldn't let go, couldn't get riotously drunk. So I, <laughs> I wished, I wished I hadn't said yes. And because it went to um, extra time and penalties, they didn't have time for me anyway. So, but I didn't know that. So I was sort of waiting for the phone call and thinking, they probably don't need me. Do they need me? I don't know. Uh -huh. Shall I just protect, shall, shall I not answer my phone? Shall I answer my phone? And it was just, it was just that tiny little niggly thing that mm. stopped it being the perfect thing, which makes me think of, you know, when, when they make, um, certain cultures make rugs with deliberate errors in them so that they don't offend the gods. I feel like maybe that had to have a, maybe the perfect football experience had to have one error in it so that, mm. to keep me grounded. I have to say, I have a very big secret crush on Steven Gerrard. Um, <laughs> even though my husband supports Leeds, I do actually really have a crush on him. Do any of you have a crush on any of the players? Because I certainly do. When I, when I go on and on about a player that I, I think is amazing and under, you know, underappreciated, occasionally I have to correct someone who thinks I'm talking in terms of a crush or mm. the, the, their physicality. I mean, my, the, the, the players I call beautiful are not beautiful, as in films they're not beautiful. I, I, love, I love how they play. I love how they play and therefore they become beautiful. They're not. It's a different sort of male female thing it's not it's, it's not a male female thing i feel i used to feel that way about marion spacey who used to play for england if you play what i consider to be beautiful football i love you but it's not in a sexual crush like mm. way mm. Mm. and what about you what about you pam billy bremner was my hero i, I loved him he oh. was small but he was like a little terrier and he went in there and he wasn't afraid but also i really really liked norman hunter bite your legs hunter um <laughs> and we, we used to as as teenagers you know it's a bit like um pop stars now but we we were groupies for the football team so if they'd been away uh, on a on an overseas match or anything, we used to go and see them come home on the coach. You know, just just hang around Ellen Road training ground and, and see them get off <laughs> off the, just to wave to them or get their autograph, whatever. And one time, uh, Norman Hunter dropped some change out of his pocket, and I forget where they'd been. They'd been somewhere in. Um, foreign <laughs> and I picked it up and handed it to him and he gave me like a little silver sixpence 
and I had a hole put in it and I used to wear it around my neck. <laughs> I don't know where it is now. I mean, I'm talking over 50 years ago now. Um, but, you know, just, just things like that, that you were able to get close to them. You know, you could go and see them come back from an away match or, mm. you know, you could get their autograph or you could go watch them train. You know, we could we could go to the training ground and see them do that. So often we'd not go to school, and that's probably why I'm dumb now. But we'd we'd have an afternoon off and go watch them train. You know, mum never found out. I don't think. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh well, if we if we have time for one more question. one more question, yeah, just we've got just one other question from a, a, a fan from the Netherlands. Uh, her, her name is Lottie. And her question to you, the three of you, is um, do you ever get asked what the offside rule is? <laughs> no. No? Are you, have, you, have you tried to explain offside to someone who's never watched football? It's quite hard to do. I, I took, me and my best mate, we went to, um, uh, went to Madrid. It was meant to be a girls' weekend. Nothing to do with football at all. Um, but we were sat in some piazza and my friend who doesn't like football, she said to me, oh, you're, I can tell, he said, you're hankering, aren't you? You're hankering. Well, we're in Madrid and we, we should go to a game. That's what you're thinking. And I went, yes, yes, I'll go get us tickets. So I went and bought his tickets. And um, so she was saying, oh, I won't know anything. I won't know anything. And uh, I said, OK, well, first things first, I'll, I'll, I'll explain offside to you. And I got the old pepper pot, literally the pepper pots out on the, restaurant table and she couldn't grasp it and it was actually it got quite frustrating trying to explain <laughs> in an abstract sense what it was thank you all so much and um maybe we'll catch up again soon yeah. we can all oh. go to bed in person <laughs> thank you thank you very much bye bye, bye. 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 bye.